You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Does that keep burning the same way now that you've won two? Yeah, I'm not sure it's the same for everybody again. Yeah. Quite honest. What? So it's like a whole different level to me is what it is. It's like, um, it's like all that matters to me. And you're trying to, trying to translate that to the players that, you know, to get to that level, what it takes and, and, and the difference that it makes in their career and their, and their lives. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. These players are uncoachable, aren't they? Tommy Bowman couldn't coach them. They're a bunch of bumps. Oh, it's been four coaches. What else? Do you Ne- I, we will never let this go. Couldn't possibly be, be be Jeff Ward. Couldn't possibly. I totally forgot he was um, even still in hockey until you see him on the Ducks bench, like with that dumb look on his face. The stupid face with his nice hair. Like staring like, what are you doing? Oh. I like how everyone was like, oh shit, the Ducks power play looks so good. It must be Jeff Ward. Oh, yeah, it's definitely Jeff Ward. Remember how great our power play was? It's like the, it's like when people talk about how good the Oilers' power play is. And like, oh, see, Colton, he's power play. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's the brains of Jeff Ward telling his, I'm sure he instructed Zegers where to go and shit. Fuck, he looks good, eh? This Ducks, Ducks look really good. Actually, they do. They have that young uh, energy, like when a team is about to be good. Like the Chicago, remember the Chicago Blackhawks right before they were good. You could tell they were going to be good. They got that little energy where they're just like, fuck, they're close to being good. Yeah, they look really good and they're really fun to watch and they're fast. And Gibson's really good. Yeah. I thought we were going to get Gibson last night, but no, we open up with big old uh, Jolly Rancher talking about the only thing that fucking matters is winning a Stanley Cup. That's all he cares about. And boy, is that translating, eh? Boy, is that translating. Translating to points. It's translating to wins. It's translating to we're currently tied for first place in terms of points in the league. I think now is a good time to throw in this clip. It's, uh, I don't know if you saw this because it, I don't think, it, I don't, it's, a, it's an interview with Brad Richardson before uh, the LA Kings game. But there's some questions about Daryl and his style of coaching that uh, it's actually really good. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I think it's a little different, but um, but you know, Daryl's Daryl. I mean, he expects you know every night's you know a must-win game, and he gets the best out of his players. So, 
how does he maximize his players? Because we hear that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, you, you have no choice but to be at your best. You know, he's not scared to, you know, move guys around or take you out of the lineup or do whatever if you're not going to play well. So um, he's very honest with you, which I, you know, you respect as a player when a coach gives you the straight up answer, but uh, he just demands you be at your best. And there's no nights off. Every game is a, is a must win. What, what makes that, I don't know if this makes sense, but what makes that fun for you guys? Like, I imagine there's a, a transition where a group has to really sort of buy into wanting to well, play that way. Yeah, I mean, for, for, I think for us, it's just everyone plays and everyone has a big role in it. You know, some teams, you know, the, the third or fourth lines don't play very much or the fourth line doesn't play at all in some teams. And for us, you know, we, we use every line and we need every line to be good. And I think that has a, you know, a, a big buy-in on the team and everyone feels important. And, uh, and that's the way Daryl's teams are. So there's a uh, read from one of the horse's mouths on Daryl and his style of coaching. And I mean, we already knew this coming into it, but utilizing everything out of your players, getting everything out of your players. And that was always our biggest argument with the lack thereof of coaching in the past was it, it couldn't be the coaching. It has to be the players. Well, I don't know because we haven't had a player or coach come in that can actually get everything out of the players, maximize Johnny Gaudreau, maximize Matthew Kachuk, maximize Sean Monahan down the list. We're starting to see that unfold in a way that Brad Richardson states that it uses everybody. I mean, that was a really cool perspective that he shares because he's right. There are a lot of teams, <clears throat> Edmonton others, that rely heavily on in this case is one line it's two players <laughs> whereas uh Daryl Sutter the way he coaches the way he, he coaches a team to win long term sustainably deep into the playoffs is utilizing everybody everybody has a role and everybody's role contributes to the whole well I think it's kind of funny you hear all these uh reporters asking like they're just so confused by all of this it's like what the, he does what now what does he do daryl he, he gives you a role and forms a team identity explain this this is mine this is blowing my mind how how can this be you're starting to see well here but you're starting to hear now in his media pressers people are actually starting to listen to what he says eh it's not just a bunch of reporters just throwing out stupid statements and think of that. It's like not, they're let's like schools in. Hey, that's what that's the that's the vibe I'm getting now. Is now when he gets up to the podium, they're just fucking they're starting to turn into sponges because they realize fuck this guy know what he's talking about. Well, and the other thing too, like um just saying talking about what Richardson's saying, like I mean. That's how you win in the playoffs. Like, I mean, the only reference point most of us have is 2004. And that's what it was like. It was like everybody knew what they were doing. Every shift on the ice. Everybody. Like Go every time list. you jumped over the boards, you knew what you were doing. Like and everybody contributed. Oleg Saprikin. He was unbelievable. Four checking master. Fucking Simon. He, he chipped in. He scored some big goals while fucking being a brute force. Oh, man, he was good. <laughs> Christoph Olawa. Remember him? Chuck Kobasu. Fucking, I remember uh, Sean Donovan. Uh, John Donovan. Oh, man. Remember that Donovan, one play? That Chris one Clark. play uh, with Donovan where he's he's about to dump the puck in, but he knows he has to get over the red line. He's about five feet away, and he sees the guy's coming. He knows he's about to get annihilated. 
but he does it anyways because it's the right play. Makes the play, takes the hit. That's like, and then he yeah he scores some beauty goals too. Right? Yeah. But but literally you go down the list and like everybody like Billy Neiman. Chris like, Clark, do, like do you remember that defense? What that D was like like Regeer, Leopold, Montador, Warner, Brett Warner. Like Andrew Ferentz, like it wasn't like this great. It's like kind of like now, right? It's like just kind of like a weird group of guys, and yeah, they were so good at defense. And right, like that's an answer to the question. Like, okay, well, why does Eric like Gabranson uh, and Zdorov, like, why do they not suck all of a sudden? And that's and the magic of Daryl Sutter. Why does Rasmus Anderson not look like ass every single night anymore? Why are he and Hannafin playing so well? Why are all these guys who like they suck or like not bad, bad anymore because they have a role they know what they they're a, trying to do they like fuck yeah they have a, a very clear-cut role the expectations are you execute your role or else you're not playing but the ask isn't daryl sutter knows what each player is capable of and then the ask is everything that you're capable of nothing more right yeah he's, I, not, yeah, he's not asking Lucic to go out there and score 30 goals, even though he is <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's what happens when you're allowed to just do your role. So it's interesting to see a little bit of transformation happening with Sean Monahan currently. Well, and Daryl did say something. I don't know if we're going to throw it in, but he was talking about uh, Gaudreau and Chuck and Lindholm specifically saying like how much they've grown since he took over. And he was just saying like, if you're a coach, you coach the group you have. You can't come in and try to impose something that's not going to work with the group you have. And I mean, all I could think about was like, well, that's exactly what Jeff Ward tried to do to Gaudreau and, and Monaghan for like a year and a half. It was like, hey, we want you to be play driving defensive players. And that, like, that's not what they are. And they sucked. They were, they were not, they had a rough stretch there. Did you see the stats that Sportsnet threw up on the screen? I think it was last night. Comparing the defensive oh, dude. metrics under Jeff Ward, who apparently that's when we became a defensive team, to the actual defensive metrics under Daryl Sutter. It was like dead last to first. <laughs> We're the best defensive team in the league right now. I was just looking through Jay Fresh Hockey's data this morning. The Flames are the best teams in terms of goals against right now. They are the best team in terms of goals for percentage at five on five. They are. They have the best goaltending duo at five on five. They are third best in expected goals against. Not bad. They're pretty good. That's pretty good. Eh? Not bad at all. But uh, these players, though, totally unco- uncoachable. Bums. Which we've always been saying the opposite. No, it's the opposite. They're too coachable. If Jeff Ward tells them to skate the puck in backwards into the offensive zone, they would do it. <laughs> Like, have you heard Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do whatever you yeah, want. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. Well, yeah, if Jeff wants me to skate backwards into the offensive zone, I mean, it's just what I got to do for the team. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do what the coach tells you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this was hilarious, dude. Did you see this? This was uh, pre-LA Kings, Daryl's big uh, return to the big city. And Jonathan Quick, did you see that quote? Saw it. <laughs> Fuck, this is funny, folks. Listen to this. This is uh, Jonathan Quick. 
Daryl threatened to feed me to his pigs if I didn't stop the puck in practice. He was serious about it. I let one in puck. I let one puck, let in one puck during a drill, and he stopped the practice, skated over to me, and then took off my blocker. He grabbed my ring finger and said, this one is Otis's favorite finger. Otis is the prized Sutter pig. I stopped every puck after that. He haunts my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is the magic of management. This is the magic of coaching. You have a push-pull relationship, right? You know when to push. You know when to pull. You know when to bitch slap. You know when to coddle. And he does it all. Because then after that, he says, after that game, after that practice, then he's he. I come out of the dressing room. He's holding my baby in the hallway, telling me how cute he is, chumming it up with my family. Right? It's just like Ian Richardson said in the interview. He's honest. That's all you can ask for. Remember when Jeff Ward was like shit house to penthouse, and uh, remember Sam Bennett explaining, yeah, no one's really even said anything to me. I'm not really sure what's happening. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't play. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know. No one's really said anything. I don't know. I don't know if it's mind games when a player. Your highest draft pick of all time, playing in your organization, struggling year after year. You get this amateur coach in there, and he's going, and the player is saying, I don't know if the coach is playing my games with me or not. No one's communicated, dick. Complete opposite with with Daryl Sutter. This guy knows people, he knows players, and he knows hockey. And fuck, does he know coaching? And boy, is it paying off. No one predicted this. I'm sorry. We we knew the team would be a yeah. hell of a lot better under Dell Sutter. We knew that the team would be a hell of a lot better without Jeff Ward, number one. But fuck, first, we're first. We're tied for first in the league, folks. After how many games has it been? 24, 25. And we've been at the top of the league for what? Four weeks now? Five weeks? It's just like... This team is not going to fall off the face of the earth. I don't know if we stay in the, in the top five all, all season long, but you heard Richardson. Daryl stresses that every game is a must win. Well, he was even saying that. I think somebody asked him, like, blah, blah, blah. You've been playing so well. And he's like, 35 points doesn't mean shit or however many points they had at the time. Yep. Like you need 90 points to get in the playoffs. So he's like 31 points doesn't mean shit. He obviously didn't say that, but that was the gist of it. It's like, there's still a lot of work to do. Every point matters, man. Like he's uh Daryl Sutter, man. Like, like fuck. There's a this reason. Is- there's a reason he, you, you forget after all this time, but there was a reason that, there was like in Sutter we trust and like this this fan base had such a hard on for this guy back in the day because and even I like I for, forgot how much I loved this guy you know everybody forgot and the the whole world forgot and if you weren't a Flames fan then you sure as fuck forgot I mean look at all the oh yeah the, the narratives when this guy was first hired right it was like what a mistake like this is. This guy's a dinosaur. I remember yeah. getting trolled by Oilers fans. Ha, ha, ha. Fucking dinosaur. 
there was like every think piece written on how like, oh, is Daryl Sutter's old school game going to translate? It's like the first day Daryl's here, he, the media is asking him dumb questions. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? You're like living in 10 years ago, like schooling them on, on, on new tactics and shit and how the game has evolved. It's like he never left the game and he's never left the game. And he's always been this way. I remember when we did the show at like 2 a.m. when he was first hired and we were freaking out. It was like. That was the point we were making is like, if you look at his career, he's always, he's never been what people say he is, which is like a dinosaur playing like this old school brand of hockey. It's like, just cause he likes to have some big players on his team. Doesn't mean his tactics have never been his, his tactics have always, always been progressive. I remember hearing him talk about like possession way back in the early two thousands and shit when it was like, nobody ever talked about that stuff. So he's always been like this. Doesn't that just speak to his level of hockey IQ is that people don't, they're not even close to understanding. Yeah. Like they don't even he... know the right questions to ask. No. Well, they're learning, but they're, they're starting to learn that fucking just don't ask a dumb question. Just, just don't try to impose a statement on to Daryl Sutter. You'll get ask a slapped. genuine question that you want the answer to. Don't try to have your little thesis statement in there and get him to talk about your dumb little thesis. But ask him because he knows his shit. They're starting to learn because they're getting the media is getting sick and tired of having to walk out of there with the tail between their <laughs> legs every fucking time. Eh? It's fucking great. It but great. it's true, man. If you look at his track record, he's been at the cup finals four times. I mean, if you haven't listened to his it, 15 minute interview before he goes back to LA pregame, just fucking, it's excellent. But he's talking about how while he was coaching, he lost, and the, he was very careful the way he worded it because he didn't want to say he lost the passion for the game. But what he did say is that it just takes a lot out of you because when he coaches, that's all he does. Like he doesn't fucking even talk. <laughs> it sounds like he talks to his family. It's just like I have one fucking thing on my mind and that's winning the Stanley Cup what do you think Jeff Ward thought about practice practice playlists practice playlists it's Time funny how math. how 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 the the most common denominator of success for Jeff Ward was just having fun and sure I mean you you saw it like yeah there's an aspect of that because it led to some success right off the hop but it's not sustainable. You need more than just having fun. Well, and that's a pretty pathetic standard too. Like um, when he got here and he emphasized this the other day, I don't know what I was watching, but he was talking about like how shitty this team was. He was like, I've watched this team for a long time. and You know what? They like weren't playing up to NHL standard. And that was one of the things he emphasized when he was rehired was like, Hey, the standard here is not good enough, like not nearly good enough. And yep. back in 2003, when he was hired, it was like, that's what he was saying then too. It's like, and the flames were a joke back then. And they've kind of, they were starting to become a joke again. And he's like, right. Like what's your standard here? Stanley cups winning or like having fun and being like a fun place to play hockey. Like, give me a break. Yeah, and one of the main things he's emphasizing on that last inter with the current team before taking it over and watching them on TV is like pace. And he said, it's not that they're slow skaters is that they weren't playing with the pace you need to play at in order to play in this league now. And that was 
we took what three steps backwards under Jeff Ward. That was him implementing that fucking slow the game down, slow the game down. And fuck did that bite us in the ass? Ugh, I, got, I, ugh, I can't even like remember the breakouts. Oh, that was like the most painful hockey to watch of all time. That was worse than Galton. What was worse? The end of Galton era or the end of Ward era? End of Ward era, I think. I think by far. Yeah. Yeah. So Daryl talks about how he plays in Chicago. He's wired differently, man. And this is what we love about him. This is what makes him so unique. Well, you know what? Just to, if you really want to do yourself a favor, go. There's an interview with him when he's playing in Chicago. And it's like in between the, it's like an intermission interview and he's the captain of the team. And it's, it's on, it's so good. Just YouTube that Daryl, Daryl Sutter, like interview Chicago. He's just like, man, Ernest wears his heart on his sleeve. What a, what a guy. Like when he's a player, as long as what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's what, how he coaches too, right? He's, he's saying that that's his team because he played there, Chicago there, won there. That's where he wanted to coach. He felt a duty to them. I mean, that's why he came back to Calgary. He felt a duty, duty to carry. He wants owes him a his, debt. His he's only exist, you know, purpose for existing currently is to win a fucking Stanley Cup with the Calgary Flames. That's it. Wired a little differently, and I think he's got the he's got the tools to do it. I think my biggest point I wanted to make was you're watching the games now, where okay, you're starting to see the most out of what's what's Gaudreau on pace for, close 90, to ninety plus, close to his career high. Right, what's Kachuk on a pace for? Going to be close, close to his career, career high. high. Lindholm. Oh yeah. Well, well I guess that's outside of that. Mangiapane, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna is are we seeing a resurgence of Sean Monahan? Is he gonna keep him with Blake Coleman? Like Coleman scores last night. He's been looking good the last three games. But you you look at this team and you're like, fuck, man, we're so much more skilled. Than we were in 04. In 04, we had one skilled player. <laughs> like that's not even an exaggeration. And one one talented ass goalie. But the rest were just muckers, right? But they're all found a way to make that work. We have way more skill. We have a lot more talent. We don't have as much of a muck to us, right? But he's starting to instill that into him. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this continues to develop. Well. Talking about Monahan, it, it sure makes a difference when he's an impactful player in the game, like he was last night. That was easily his best game of the season, was it not? No, oh, it wasn't even close. So you uh, picked him as the the top performer. It could have been Coleman too. I thought. I just when Monahan, like last night, like because here's the thing with Monahan. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what, or if he's just not comfortable. But for the majority of this season, anytime he gets the puck on his stick, he does not look like he wants to have the puck on his stick. I, 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 I agree, but I think the last three or five games, he's starting to hold on to the puck a little bit more. Yeah, totally. He's, start, he's starting to make better, make smarter plays. plays. He's starting to make plays. He is. And you saw that last night. like When he had the puck, there was one shift in the offensive zone or his line with Coleman, and Lewis had – we're putting the pressure on the ducks and he was like, he was hunting pucks down and holding on to pucks. And it was just like, he's starting to look better. Well, this is interesting. It's a good talking point because before the game, Daryl switches the lines around and 
especially when, you know, in the first period, everybody looked out of sorts and you're just sitting there and you're down one, nothing. And you're like, okay, why did he change the lines around? And that was kind of the biggest groan coming from Twitter was like, guy, we're in first place. Like, what are you doing? I mean, what, what we have is working, but let's, let's just look at why do you think Daryl changed the lines? He, he moves Lucic up, which I don't necessarily think that was the impetus for the change. The impetus for the change was putting Coleman with Monaghan, I believe. Yeah, and, and probably part uh, paired with Dube. He hasn't been super high with on Dube and Pitlick. Exactly. Which that line did get benched for the entire third period, the fourth line of Dube, Richardson, and Pitlick. Yeah. So, but... Because what is it? It's the third line. It's not doing shit, right? The third line, even though they 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 had some really good shifts so far on this road trip before the changes happened, but they just are not they're not generating enough, and they're just not finishing at all. So you, I don't know what he's. Again, I don't question what Daryl Sutter does anymore, right? Or do I guess I still do, but then you just have to wait fucking a week to figure out that oh no, he's right again. But what did you think of moving? What did you just think of the third line as a whole? Monaghan, Coleman, and Lewis. Well, I liked it much better. And I think it, obviously a lot of it was driven by what Coleman was doing. Um, but I think somebody on the broadcast definitely wasn't Cassie. But somebody made a good point with Monaghan saying, like, he needs a guy on his wing who's super fast and can get him the puck. And Definitely that Blake Coleman meets that criteria. So I don't know. I, I, Lewis, sure. I don't know. Uh, Sutter really likes Lewis, even though his on ice impacts don't really do much for anybody. Um, it was kind of funny on that goal that Coleman scored last night. I was like, I was complaining about it. I was like, you couldn't have played. Like, I don't know. I was like, what the fuck is Lewis the, doing? And then this is the score. three on two, the yeah. three on two where like, Lewis you... just <laughs> completely fucks it up. <laughs> And then Monaghan makes fucking a great you know, play. You couldn't have what? played that worse. And then they scored. So I don't know. I, I didn't mind it. L- Lewis is a guy who can work the puck once it's in the zone. So it's fine. But I think the Coleman Monaghan pairing, like you said, is, is going to be something interesting to watch. Yeah. That's the most intriguing thing coming out of that game. And who knows, maybe, this actually becomes your second line. I'd be curious to see Monahan Coleman with Mangiapani. Yeah. Which but, we saw in like one glimpse. Well, like we have barely seen any of that. Yeah, but maybe if Coleman and Monty start clicking because they've both been completely dry, you know, dry as the Sahara Desert out there. You heard us on the last podcast, Blake Coleman. Thanks for listening. <laughs> maybe his wife listens, eh? Yeah. Give him the memo. Blake, Blake, you better pick it up. These guys are really harping on you. Shit together, bro. Blake, you're not earning that uh, the five mil that you're getting paid there, bud. So I don't know. Interesting, um, but the the LA Kings game as a whole. I mean, you said this before we jumped on here. There's three games that we're gonna run through today. The, the Pittsburgh game where they win in a shootout, two to one. The LA game where they they don't score first, but they come back and they take control of the game. And the Ducks game. I mean. You won all three of those games in, in very all three are different wins. Which is like which I think is, is something 
Daryl talks about, he's like, it's not necessarily the, you know, each night, like, you know, winning or losing. It's how you're playing in these games. And like shit, dude. So you dominate the Penguins, but you know, their goalie played great and you win in a shootout. You kind of have a rough game against LA five on five, but your power play and special teams were great. And then last night you grind out a win against the Ducks and win in a shootout again. It's just like, man, like the good teams find ways to win. And that's how you win in this league. That's how the Lightning have been the best team in the league for the past three years is they can beat you. Whatever the game is, they're going to beat you. They don't give it. It's like, it doesn't matter. They're going to win. There's no parameters for like, this team can only win this way. Yeah, exactly. That's what the media would tell you though. Hey? Yeah. Oh, the Ducks are dumping and chasing there, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was super impressed by both Elliot and Anaheim. You don't score first, but you still win both games. You actually they take the lead in both second periods, so they have a good response. It's just so clear, it's so evident that the man. Ah, the reason why we're gushing so hard about Daryl Sutter <laughs> is like a the guy only cares about winning a Stanley Cup. And B, he knows how to do it. And C, he's getting everybody on board with him. Like that's what we're seeing. You listen to any of these player interviews at any point, pregame, postgame, during the game in the intermissions, whatever it is, the level of focus. And it's not even just like, oh, they're focused on the game. No, they're focused on whatever goals Daryl Sutter has laid out for them that are going to lead to winning. And they know they just go and execute that one thing. There's no like, they don't have to figure out how to win. Daryl Sutter knows how to win. He's instructed them how to win. All they have to go out is execute what they're being asked to do and look at the results they're getting. I don't see how you can't be excited right now if you're a Flames fan. And, right, you're talking about these Anaheim and LA games being impressed. Like, it's nice not have these dumb bullshit. Like, well, if they don't score first, they're not going to win. Well, if they score first, they always blow it. It's like, no. No matter what's happening in a game, you know the Flames are going to play <laughs> a certain way and they're going to play well and they always have a chance to win games because they're playing so goddamn well. And I mean, I think, did Lucic say this? He was talking, I can't, I can't remember. I, there's so much to listen to nowadays because it's so interesting to hear what these players are saying about yeah. Daryl. But I think it was Lucic. He was talking about like, it's, it's not even about, be, we're not even being prepared to play the right way. We're being prepared to win games. Like that's what the preparation is for. Yeah. All that matters going into each and each game is K. Okay, we are how how do we win this game? Fuck. Oh my god. Woo. It's orgasmic. It is like honestly. Like I ne- I never thought this team would be able to be this good. And again, it's only 35 points and a quarter way into the season, but this is what this guy's been able to do with a team that lost their best defenseman and didn't make any huge, significant offensive additions in the offseason. Like, holy shit. It's unbelievable, dude. And then, I mean, you, whew, you lay out what you just said. Man, I'm excited because you have guys <laughs> like, just take Matthew Kachuk. Is this not the perfect scenario for a guy like Matthew Kachuk? A guy that all he fucking cares about is waking up every day and winning Stanley Cup. You know, 
not everybody is like that. Not everybody's wired like that. Matthew Kachuk is one of those players who that's all he gives a fuck about. And so when you put him under a coach that knows how to do it and the rest of the team is buying in around him. Oh man. Like. Kachuk has been so good this year. I think, I don't think people realize how good he's been at five on five. Not just like in every other look at his goals and his points and shit and be like, yeah, well, they're not great. The thing is this guy's doing every night on a shift to shift basis. Like he's been so good. Like, I mean, Gaudreau and Lindholm have been fantastic and Mangiapane has been fantastic. And it shows up a lot more kind of like in the flashy sides of the game. And, but like, man, Kachuk is just so good right now. Like the way he's just like handling the puck and like, did you see him give Dowdy the reverse, the old reverse? just crushed him like shit like that like every time he's on the ice he's just making such great plays he's been such a force at five on five defensively he's he's been he's been fantastic he is thriving right now under daryl sutter well everybody is yeah and like i mean come on like you were talking about getting excited like every time that top line's on the ice like is that the best that's the best top line in the league it is like who else is better? Maybe the Marchand line, but I don't. I don't even know. Like I've, I like they've been so good. They've they've been on the ice for like two goals against this year. They That's have been. Incredible. I honestly think no, they're the best top line in the league right now, and I don't even know if it's particularly close. So like, did you, you see that goal in home scored last night? Oh man, fuck. It was so sexy, dude. Like, first off, he creates the turnover in the neutral zone. He has the wherewithal to, to you know, control the puck on the blue line while he's kind of dangling a little bit. He knows to find Johnny. I mean, these guys are starting to gel. These guys know, hey, Johnny's coming in. Obviously, I'm going to dish it back to him and then just get ready for fucking whatever he, wizardry he's going to do next. Get open. That finish, though? Fuck. That's John Gibson? Bardownski, John Gibson got lit up. Every single one of those goals was sexy. And John Gibson, you played a great game too. I'm just so impressed with the drum, with that top line. Where do you go from here? This is where it's just like, dude, previous coaching, I'd be, I'd be terrified right now. Yeah, I'll be so. You know the dip would be coming. You know the dip would be coming. You know the wheels are about to bottom out at some point. But with Daryl, um, I'm not scared one bit. Like, I'm so confident. Every game I get more confident in Daryl Sutter because he knows that, uh, hey, look, I'm not saying there's not going to be challenges this season and there's not going to be dips and valleys, you know, that are just part of an 82-game season. But I don't see anything that comes at them that gets thrown at them knock on wood, right? I don't want to see any big injuries or anything like that. But Daryl, that doesn't scare me. I, I don't – anything that gets thrown at them, they're going to be able to, to bounce back from because they have Daryl Sutter. He's going to be able to guide them through anything that gets thrown their way. Well, and I mean, again, barring a huge injury, I don't see what could really derail this too much. Like, the scoring is still going to be an issue. But they're getting points and they're – getting wins and that's literally all that matters like 
We have the most, we're tied for most points in the league right now. We have the fewest regulation losses. We have the best defensive metrics at five on five. We've had a really tough schedule. Like, I. <laughs> We've been playing great teams. It, I know. Like, so like where, do you go, teams... where do you go from here? You just, you know, and, and that's the thing too that I, I've liked that. Sure, there's been like a game or two where they haven't yep. been at their best, but this has still been a progression. Yep. They're 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 not leveling off. They're it's it's not it's not a wild swing anymore, you know? It's like they're just kind of no, like it's... slowly building. Maybe there's a setback, but it's like two step forwards, one step back instead of oh you fucking you leaped forward to the great game and then you fell through the floor and then were shit for 10 weeks. Like it's just it's stable. You lose a game to Winnipeg and you bounce back with three straight wins. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the difference in a nutshell with this team right now. Is it safe to say that the only two players not currently thriving under Joel Sutter are Dylan Dubé and Val Mackey? Yep. I'm kind of surprised Dubé is struggling so much. I'm not concerned about Dubé. I just think that. It is a confidence thing with him. I mean, I have you ever seen him not? I mean, he's been completely invisible, invisible irrelevant. Yeah, I haven't seen him do anything. Three, four weeks. The typical Dubé is all he uses is burst of speed, comes in and creates something. He's just been, I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe Daryl doesn't have him in the proper role. I don't know, but I'm not concerned because I know Dubé is a great player and he'll probably be able to utilize the situation. Maybe he needs to play in the HL for a bit. I don't know. Well, he's been bounced around position-wise too, playing center, playing wing. I think the role thing is part of it. I'm just surprised he's not thriving a bit more in the Sutter system because he's he's such a fast player. He's such a dynamic player. He's a good four checker. You'd think he would – you'd think this would be uh, only highlighting and, and progressing his game. So, but he doesn't seem to be using those attributes. No, I know. Like, like I haven't, seen, I haven't seen him be a beast on the four check much this year. But I haven't seen previously. him wheel through the neutral zone much at all. That's the typical Dubé we're used to. He's got a hell of a shot. He has all the tools. It just doesn't seem to be having a hard time putting it together. So, I mean, there is. We've talked about this before on this podcast. There is room for magic if you're on the fourth line because your role gets so reduced down to one that's so simple yeah that then you can rebuild your game from that i mean that's what Lucic has done so maybe dubek can go through a similar process okay all i have to do is xyz that's it that's all it's being asked of me yeah so then you every night you know that's all i gotta do it's, it makes your game easier right and if you keep doing that then you can start to add a little bit to it once you get the xyz honed in I don't know. Well, and you know, um, we have seen this from Dubé before where it's like he's never really been able to put together a large stretch of hockey games where it's like he is effective. Um, it's been kind of like reverse of Mongepani where it's like he's looks great one night and then or even for like a few games at a time, and then he's he's never really been able to hold his own five on five in the NHL for an extended period of time. Yeah, on a consistent basis. Yeah, like his inconsistency has been 
a primary part of his game. How old is he now? 23, 24? Yeah, he's still pretty young. Thoughts on the Valimaki getting sent down? Well, how can you not at this point? Like, he can't just sit in the press box. He needs to play. And, I mean, you kind of forget that how little he's actually played over the past, what, two, three years? A couple of huge injuries. Like, he's barely played. Yeah, it's true. So, he he needs to play. I don't – Whatever, I, I I I don't think he's been great. I don't think he would be any worse than Erica Branson or Nikita Zadorov, but um in their roles, Sutter seems to want them in their roles and like he's 23, he's barely played, he needs to play. The thing that I didn't understand, I thought he like how did he not have to he was waivers exempt, I guess. Which I didn't think he was. Does that mean he's on a two-way two deal? Oh, I don't even know if he is on a two-way deal. Isn't he on a one-way deal? I didn't get that. I couldn't. Maybe it's uh, is he still in his ELC? No, because he just signed that deal. Remember? So I think I was. I just was kind of looking at it before. Um, we came on. And it's got something to do with like games played or some shit because last season was shortened. But it's weird that he was uh, that they were able to avoid waivers and like you know what my my thought is, is that I don't think the flames, I don't think the flames knew he was waiver exempt. <laughs> they just figured it out, eh? Because the the day the day before, they transferred Kuznetsov to the queue, so they could make space for Valimaki. Um, I kind of think I don't think they knew. <laughs> I don't think they knew he was waivers exempt. Like I. I, I honestly don't. I didn't. But I don't know if the Flames did either. So uh, about Valimaki, Daryl says he's a young guy. He's got to play. He's got to play lots. Yeah, I totally agree with that. He thinks that Daryl thinks that he got ahead of the curve a little bit. Hey, if you're going to be playing on a Daryl Sutter team, then yeah, but that would, that's probably rings true. Well, you uh, know what? I think that's true because like even with us, like, Everyone was like anointing him. He kind of got this reputation and like this this preemptive spot before he had really done much, right? True. Yeah. Like, because I mean, I think he was off to a great start in that 2018-29 season season and before he got hurt. So I'm uh, I'm not saying he hasn't earned anything, and he still has a lot of potential. And then, you know, that that injury really screws him up. He he doesn't play a lot. But then remember when the shutdown was going on, he was playing over in Sweden and it looked amazing. Everybody's raving. Bradshaw Living's talking publicly about, oh, I can't trade him for Mark Stone, shit like that. So it's kind of like these expectations and 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 a spot on the team has kind of been bestowed upon him before he's really done much in the league. Um, and I don't think that's fair to him, and I don't think that's fair to you know other guys playing on the team. So um, I I agree with that. You literally took the words right out of Daryl's mouth. Daryl says he's got to get back to earning it and showing it rather, rather than have it bestowed upon him. Oh, shit. <laughs> I must have heard that because I must that must have been in my brain from Daryl. There's no way I would have. He says that, to be quite honest, he got beat out in training camp by Shillington, not Zidorov, which we all knew. Yeah, we all knew that, right? Yeah. Um, and again, like, if he was as good as, right? Like, that's the standard now. Like, if he was as good as Shillington, who has been fucking great, he'd be on this team. 
Shillington's so good. And I guess there is an argument to be made about like, oh, well, he's he would be better than Zadorov. Um, but in that role that Daryl wants Zadorov in, I don't know. Do you think uh, Val Mackey's happy now? What do you happy, think he'd prefer? Happy, like, happy? You think he'd prefer to go down and just play a shitload? Probably. Hey, at this point, if you're just kind of coming yeah. into the lineup and you've just been out forever now. I imagine playing is way better than not playing. Yeah, it's a probably a bittersweet, right? But here, I want to add this quote in here too. Um, have a listen to this. This is about Daryl and just the way he views ice time as a whole. Not just the skill to be able to do it, but what does it do for a team when you have guys that are so willing and eager to, to play in whatever role that you're at this being asked to? Well, it's about ice time. You know, I know that I heard that last year was a big thing. Guys don't not playing as much, or he does not play playing as much as he did for somebody else. Well, if you look at it, actually, wingers, if they are the top wingers in the league, will play and you do it even strength, and everybody always goes well the total minutes. So that's fine. So a guy doesn't kill penalties. So most centermen do, most wingers don't. So there's two or three minutes a game, or three shifts, which depending on how. How the kill goes, but but the next part is the top wingers in the league. Guys are elite in terms of goal scoring. They are high teens. The next group is 15, 17, right? So where our wingers are, some of them are scoring a little bit more now, so they push into that 18, right? But if they're not, then they go back into that where they should be, and that's. What you're, tra- what you're trying to do is get there. You're trying to get quality. Very simple. That's that's really clear, especially this year with schedule. You're telling me this guy doesn't understand analytics? I mean, all he's saying is you play the percentages, you play the averages, the law of averages. You have the right guys out there enough times for the most times. It's going to translate into better metrics as a whole, more more five-on-five domination, more puck possession leading to goals. I mean, I throw I want to throw that in there because it just, again, speaks to a level of understanding of not only hockey, but managing your team. Could you imagine like Jeff Ward ever like even conceiving of what Daryl was just talking about? No, I can't imagine Gulletson or Bill Peters doing it either. They would probably listen to that 20 times and be like, what? Huh? Huh? What? Whoa! Uh, Season, uh, seasons turned around, right? Totally turned around. Well, all we did, you know what the, the key was? We just gave the boys a beer on the train. That turned the whole season around. And I just Glenn, it's like Glenn, you got swept in the playoffs. What are you talking just, about? I just had to, you know, toss my stick into the second bowl, and that was all we needed to do. And this isn't, look, this isn't about bashing Jeff Ward and Glenn Gulletson. Yes, it is. It's the fact that the amount of pain that we as fans had to sit through because of these two dumbasses. Well, and because of dumb, dumb upstairs is stupid bullshit hirings. That when the opposite comes along and all of us can say, see, those guys were in over their heads. It, uh, it, you know, you've been saying this a lot. It's just like, imagine if we hadn't wasted three and a half fucking full seasons on amateur coaches. What we could have accomplished. That's why we bring it up again and again and again. 
because the pain has hasn't been long enough. Hasn't been gone yet, and we're bitter about it. Still bitter. (laughs) I'll never not be bitter. But I mean, like, look, like the the hockey IQ on this guy, the knowledge is just like. Well, he's a fucking NHL coach, right? Like that's I like. That's what I was saying before. When like these media guys, they're like, and they're learning. Well, uh, we can give them credit for that, but they're like asking, like, well, what is this? You mean if you play like he's just a hockey coach? Like this is what it should be. There's a level of professionalism and hockey knowledge you expect out of you know a guy coaching in the best hockey league in the world. Fuck. Finally. Finally. It's like we say these guys are amateurs because they have been. And I mean, for anybody that really, I mean, here's the big argument pushback we had, right? Because it was just like Jeff Ward's an amateur, get rid of him now. And, it would, and by the end of Gallatin Galton, it was the same thing. And then you have the media saying, no, it's not, it's the players. They've been through five coaches. How could it how could it possibly be the players? I mean, how could it possibly be the coaching? It's the players. There's been through five of them. But then you're like, okay, yeah, but who out of those five coaches is still coaching in this league? Who was a bona fide, totally competent head coach? The thing we always said when Ward was still around, and probably Goldson and Peters too. If those guys are let go, does one of 32 teams now in the league make them their head coach? Not a fucking chance. And that is true. I mean, Bill Peters just got fired from his Russian team. Bill Peters is fired. Glenn Galton and Jeff Ward are demoted back down to assistants. Mike Keenan, I don't even know. Is that guy still alive? Fuck, dude. Didn't he go to Russia at some point? Yo, you know what? The Mike Keenan year was actually kind of fun. Because holy shit, did the flames like do you? I remember that. That was weird because he was like, he was a weird guy and a weird coach. Like, I remember them talking about like in practice, they didn't practice, they just literally would scrimmage all game or all practice. <laughs> like, he had no system. It was fun, it was frustrating to watch. I think that was one of the years Aggie scored his second 50th uh, goal season, and they scored like crazy because like it was just like, yeah, just go play. It was, it was weird. <laughs> But yeah, Jim Playfair, isn't he in? He's like, where did he go? Like, we've had one real head coach in twenty years. Hartley, Hartley was pretty good. He's won a cup. Yeah, he's part like out of the five before. Yeah, uh, Sutter probably Hartley has been the best. And yeah, man, poor Jay Feaster sure gets a lot of shit. I've, you know, I mean, poor Jay Feaster, man, that guy is laying in his bed that he made. <laughs> hey, and man, his team. Pretty much won us the playoffs. The only playoff series we've won in 20 years. Like Johnny, like Manny, <laughs> like like Hoods. Hoods, like uh Box, <laughs> like Granny. Hey, Granny, remember Granny? <laughs> Who's in net? Like uh what did he call Hiller and like Hilly? Car- like Ra- Hilly and, and Rams, Carrie. <laughs> Love it. All right, let's get to the Anaheim game. Break it down. We're going on reverse order here today. Everyone, we'll get back to the show in just a moment. Just a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. This one is for all you NFL fans. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they have a wicked promotion going on right now at Sportsbook. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win 100 bucks in free bets. It's really easy. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get on the NFL action with Daily Fantasy. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving away to new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So all you gotta do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win 100 bucks in free bets. They score, you score, with promo code THPN. This week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You gotta be 21 years of age or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, I got the game stats here. Or do you want to go through it? Sure. These are these are uh, game stats that you put together. I know uh, you do a lot of work on these. I'll let you take it away. All right. So the Flames outshoot the Ducks thirty six to thirty four. We only get one power play again last night. What again, what is? Okay, this is something that's starting to become interesting. I mean, it's it's not causing us losses, but why are we like? Okay, you get four power plays in in LA. That's a little different story. But for the most part, like the last what eight games we're either getting zero or one power play a game. Is that just because we're at the top of the league and we're always dominating? And so there's a lot of game management or what? Maybe we're just so goddamn fast. The other team can't catch up with us to have any stick infractions against, but they can't like they missed that high stick on Kachuk last night. Like, yeah, they're missing calls. They're terrible. It's not that there aren't penalties. They're just not calling them. Anyways, the old Jeff Ward power play goes one for three last night for the Ducks. Flames 0 for one. Shot attempts are pretty even. Flames 53, Ducks 51. Scoring chances favor the Ducks at 31-27. The Flames did have the edge in high danger chances, 14-12. to That was a high event game last night. Like, that first period was a bit out of control, eh? Yeah, it was. I mean, the Duck, like we said, the Ducks actually looked good. Yeah, it looks I'm, really good. Well, look, we played them early on in the season, the first week, I think, where you're just kind of like it's a bit of a wet wash. You never really know who's who yeah. and who's what. But you, I can see why they have a winning record. And – their power play is good. I can see why their power play is third in the league. Like, that's a good team over there. That was a great goal. That's a, that's a hell of a setup there. Yeah, cross uh, cross ice one-timer. Fuck, I wish we would try try that every once Just in a while. once? Just once. Top game scores from last night's game. Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, Sean Monaghan, Johnny Gaudreau, and Matthew Kuchar. Fuck. That was Monaghan's best game by a mile. By Mal. We talked about the goals. First one's from Coleman. The little sweet dish from Monty. Like, come on. That's a hell of a play from Monahan, dude. That's a great play, man. To corral that in tight right onto the stick of the guy who's going to have a wide open net. That's a great fucking goal. And what a relief for that Coleman finally scored. Because, like, we've been complaining about it. It's not that he hasn't been generating chances. Because he has. He just can't bury it. And it was funny. That's the one that went in, but. Thank God he's got one. Now he's just got to get on a roll here. The Lindholm goal, my brother pointed this out. We were watching the game together. If you go back a bit, before – no, this is the Monaghan goal I'm thinking of. On the Monaghan goal, if you go back a bit, before Lewis fires it down to Monaghan in front of the net, Shillington on the yes. on the break-in, the entry, he makes an unbelievable play where someone rifles the puck over to him and he has to reach behind him to tip the puck mm-hmm. off the boards up to Lewis. Like it was an unbelievable play that 
very few people noticed. I mean, you noticed that, eh? Well, dude, I, every time Shillington makes a play, I, I, was that when you texted me, you were just like, Shillington is so fucking good? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like, he's really good with the It's unreal how good he is. Yeah. The Lindholm goal, we talked about a fuck that was sexy as a sexy <laughs> Uh Gabranson has a mental fucking... This is the thing, though, hey? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like, what, one of three mistakes he's made all season? You can't even get mad at him. Yeah. But Tanev did it last game, too. It's just like, what are these guys doing? It's like... Tanev it's had good. a few. He blew his. Uh, yeah, Tanev was a little off last, yeah, he, last night. He, his uh, he tr- fell over like four times in overtime. So, yeah, that's right. So they go to overtime again. Go to shootout again. Um, Vladar was solid, just like oh, Marky was solid. He was awesome in the first period and awesome in the shootout. Quietly, he has another great game because there's so much else going on. But fuck my god, dude, these two shootout goals. Oh, dude, Johnny's found a new shootout shot. Okay, I think we talked about this on one of the last podcasts. It doesn't even matter if the scouting report's out. Look at the tiny little, it's like a what six inch by six inch square that he just places the puck in every single fucking time. Like Gibson, you can see you can see it on Gibson's face. Gibson knows Johnny's going going there. But you still can't stop it because it's a perfectly placed shot. It's a wicked shot. And it's not even hard or like necessarily fast. It's just so oh man, that's a good shot. It's accurate as fuck. And it's shit, dude. Like I'm just so Matthew Chuck and Johnny Drew. It's nice to be able to have your best guys out there and be like, Yeah, they got this. And then Chucky comes down with the old Forestburg one hand. <laughs> Look, oh, that, that was, was sweet. That was sexy, but I'm way more impressed with Johnny Gajol's goal. Yeah, me too. Chucky gets the flash, but fuck, man. The ability to score, it's literally a six-by-six-inch little square that Johnny's sniping in every single time. It's unbelievable. So, I don't know and what's Yo, more... I love shootouts, just so I want to put that out there. Well, we've won back to back in the shootout. So I, I don't need, I, I don't understand how people don't like the shootout. Is there a more intense? Is there a more intense slash exciting spectacle in sports than a shootout in the NHL? Yes, it's called three on three overtime. Well, yes, but we just got five. That, that overtime was fucking brutal. Yeah, what the hell, eh? That was the worst overtime I've ever watched in my life. They were uh, one of those. They became one of those teams that just didn't even want to try and score. They just brought it back and back and back. Eh? Well, it was like I didn't. Uh, I know Backlund makes that one play after Tanev trips or whatever. But fuck, he, what was he doing out there? I know. Holy shit, he was bad in that overtime. You literally, whenever I'm watching three on three, I'm just like, okay, give it to Lindholm or give it to Johnny. Exactly. Like everyone else sucks at three on three. Yeah. It's like, if you're the weakest link, why do you still have the puck? Although yeah, to Johnny. Although Anderson has learned because he's he's bearing down the right wing boards. I thought he was going to blast it 40 feet wide again and lead to an odd man rush the other way as he's done every fucking three on three this year. But he didn't, so he's learning. Still waiting for Daryl to to put Shillington up with Johnny and Lindholm. I think that's the easiest way to score a goal, is it not? Yeah, and I mean, and look at the speed on the three of those guys. Exactly. If you really want to play it safe, go Johnny Coleman. 
Did I Coleman even him. play in overtime? I don't think so. Yeah, that's weird. And then remember the one shift where it's like it was Monahan, Kachuk, and Rats. Yeah. Like your three slowest. I literally guys. almost shit my pants. Your three slowest guys. You're like, how are they not going to get Holy scored cow. on? It's like wow. you might as well throw out Lucic and Gabranson if you're going to do that. Right. I don't know. That's a pretty impressive win. Like we've said, they're finding ways to win different games. And that's a back-to-back. That's back-to-back against the Ducks team. That's I would have been happy with a point last night. Totally happy. But you're looking at it and you're like, fuck. I mean, one of the things they've been talking about in these pre and post game interviews is now the players are instructed by Daryl. They know what to say. They know what their goals are, how important these divisional games are and taking points away from your additional uh, divisional opponents. So you love the yeah. regulation win in LA, and then you love taking another point away from Anaheim on a back-to-back. That was fucking awesome. That was great. So Monaghan has two primary points, goal and assist. Four great job, hugging. Sean. Four. Hey, that used to be me. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's well, nice to get one. I I shit you guys not. My impression is spot on because if you listen to Monahan's pressers, he starts every sentence with "Well, yeah" or "Yeah." It's no, he un- says "Yeah, I mean." Yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's uh, fucking real. It's like Sean. Sean, uh, what are you gonna do for Christmas? Yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> hey, Sean, what's your favorite color? Red or oh, green? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, yeah. red. Hey, Sean, what's the size of your shoes? Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, Sean, like, what, kind of, what kind of stick? You're not do you even use? exaggerating, though. Sean, what kind of stick do you use? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's unreal. Unreal. Sean uh, has a 5v5 Corsi 4. <laughs> Is this Corsi 4 or expected goals? Six, yeah. 62.86. Yeah. And I mean, I think playing with Coleman helped him a lot. Last yeah, but night. like, is that a is that a, a big problem here? Like, like, look at the top line. Johnny gets to play with Lindholm. Like, yeah, come no, on, it's, this it's is not good. a problem. This is exactly what, and you saw the difference it makes when Sean Monahan's a difference maker on your team. Oh, big time! But I am concerned about Lucic in the top six on that. I think he's out of sorts with. Uh, he's not going to be able to keep up with Backlund, Manjapani, man. Is he? No. I mean, he does have a little bit of a chemistry with Backlund, seems. But well, they switch Monj and. Uh, Lewis. Yeah. If Lewis is the spark plug, apparently. Yeah. Lewis cracks and you have to watch him. It's like is that's goal was funny. It's like you could he couldn't have fucked that up more and it went in. I'm starting to to like this guy though. No, I like him, but it's I like him He's in like a funny way. It's like, oh, there goes old man Lewis again, just like working his ass off. The 85-year-old is sure having a hell of a game tonight, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's go to the LA Kings game. Uh, you touched on it. You dominated them. They deserve to win a meter is 66% of the time, but they're 33. Well, I know everybody was like, oh, there was a shitty game, but it I don't was know. a weird like, game. It was always weird, weird in LA. Yeah, like I thought the Flames were good and they were great on the power play, and I don't know. Okay, give us the game, game report. Okay, so Flames get outshot by 10, 42 to 32, but the power play goes two for four, and you don't let LA score. You, they go 0 for 2. There's your special teams when you the game. So, yeah, and like this is a bit of a different. This is one of the first times the Flames were kind of outplayed at five on five. The Kings win the possession battle with 63 shot attempts to the Flames 44. 
scoring chances 32 to 29 in favor of the Kings and high danger chances 13 to 11 expected goals for share 55 to the flames 44. So, yeah, so you're slightly outplayed five on five, but then you dominate special teams. So yeah, you dominate special teams. Like, did, like how many grade a scoring chances did Matthew Chuck have on the power play or just in general in that game? So he, I, fuck, I, he loves playing drew. Hey, Oh, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I hope Brady goes after Drew next. That'd be awesome. But I mean, like, if you break it down five on five, sure, the Kings played a pretty good game. And I actually like, like I was actually impressed with both the Kings and the Ducks. Yeah, no, they're on the up and up, these two. Like, Ducks, you know who's Marcel? a really good player who pissed me off we didn't get him is Arvidsson. Arvidsson looked really good. Yeah, fucking Forsberg scores four goals there, Nate. Yeah, fuck, dude. Like, if we just had one more guy, I would be like fucking unstoppable. Anyways, yeah, if you do, if you do like the little, because the the Kings were trailing, you know, for yeah. for some chunks of that game, you you adjust for the score. The score effect was real in that game. They're pushing hard and good on them, but I mean that that's that's a game. I think the Flames played a really good game, despite what the stats might indicate. Um, the. I have follow against the first one. Manji Pony ties it up with the sweet little feed from Backland, the little high play slot in the PP that they, they love so much. They love doing great finish by Manji Pony. PP2 scores two power play goals. Lucci scores five hole again. Um, fuck, man, this this five hole thing is getting hilarious, eh? But last night against the Ducks, everybody tried to go five hole for the first two. Periods. Yeah, what is the scouting report on Gibson? Like, what was that? That was weird. And they were like terrible fucking like Monahan's little backhand five hole chain. Like, what are you doing, bud? Kachuk on the breakaway. Like, oh, that yeah, wasn't even terrible. Close. Fuck. You and have Kuch- to, if you're gonna shoot five hole, the key is you gotta fucking rifle it. Like yeah. Lucic has been doing. Yeah, like the, the guys are saying there, he's power, he's the power five hole. That's how you beat a guy five hole, is you fucking rifle it. You don't slob it in a softy. Kachuk uses Dowdy as the screen. To go up 3-1 and put you in a really good stranglehold. And, um, I mean, does it get much sweeter than that? You have your arch nemesis. Chucky's in his face all night again. He's doing the reverse hits. I love how it was funny the broadcast was having a good laugh at it because they go back to the original hit against Dowdy, right? The reverse hit, which was an elbow, which it wasn't good. And then all the other reverse hits from now until we play him the other night. And he first hits him again, and they're like laughing. You're like, you think Dowdy would expect this by now? <laughs> he caught him again. Well, it's like, stay off the tracks, bitch. That's what it's like. Fucking bitch. But just a yeah. word on Lucic, like, goddamn. It's like, is every well, player that Brad, like, does Brad Shaving have the biggest horseshoe up his ass of all time? Or does he actually know what he's doing? No, couldn't be. No, because this is the guy that said Jeff Ward was the best guy for That's, the job after he yeah. clearly wasn't. Anything that happens is luck or a result of Daryl Sutter. Nothing to do with Brad Levy. Well, look, and I've said this before, is as long as he eventually pulls out a horseshoe big enough so that the team succeeds, exactly. instead of him just saving his own fucking ass, yeah. I'll be okay with his fucking horseshoe. Right? It's like, it's like last year, right? It's like Tanev somehow miraculously uh, – usurps the age curve that affects like literally every player in the NHL and has like the most unbelievable comeback season of all time. And I'm sitting here with my thumb up my ass going like, fuck, I look like an idiot making Brad look smart, but the team was terrible and they didn't win shit. So it's like, you're saying 
Yeah. Can we all benefit from your luck for once? Can we benefit from this saying. luck? That's all we want. But I mean, I was... Luc- Lucic has, I just want to throw this in there because I think it's kind of crazy. He has 17 goals in his last 79 games. So prorated for the last full season, he's almost a 20 goal scorer. Suck it, James Neal. That's wild. Would you still pay him five mil though? No. <laughs> but hey, at least it makes it a little bit more bearable. It makes it more palatable. Much. Yeah. But please, like he's here's the other thing. He's executing that fourth line role to a T. Maybe you should trade him right now. Okay. <laughs> Look, I tweeted that and I got everybody that. probably almost yeah, I was gonna say, geez, that's a sensitive the, the love affair this fan base has with him. Look, I I love him too. I love him too. But I still can be the voice of reason. I'd rather have Philip Forsberg and be able to say Mangiapane. Tyler Toffoli. Fucking. Now is the time to trade him. (laughs) Get get Boston to take him. Boston to Brusque for uh, for Lucic. Make it happen. But when you're winning like this, it's really hard to argue that um, he's not a big part of their success currently. So we'll see how it plays out. I just hope the horseshoe is big enough. For all of us, That's drop a Stanley Kai's Stanley Cup size horseshoe out of your ass, Brad. Could you imagine? I think we talked about this before. Could you imagine Brad celebrating a Stanley Cup? <laughs> no, yeah, you we did because you're like, this is one thing I could never picture. Yeah, eh? because when you're a fan, you always put things in your mind's eye, right? You think about, okay, what would it be like if they won the cup? Who would get it after? Well, GL, like who who would get it and shit. I was like, I can never picture that dweeb like out there on the ice with the boys, like lifting the cup. What would he do? He'd do something like remember Bo Meester when he he finally <laughs> won something and he did he like lifted it up for like millisecond, a, a tenth of a second, and just gave it away. It's just like, dude, like fuck. Brad, what would he do? He would would he fall? Would he drop the cup? What would he do? I'm he'd trying do, to think of what it would he'd encapsulate. Do something, man. He'd do something that would be like annoying it, he would you know, be clumsy. you know what he would do you know what he would do he would win the the conference final and the team decided they weren't going to touch it he'd touch and he, it he, and he'd go over there and touch it by yeah, accident or some it. Shit. Yeah, yeah that's that's the way it would roll and then he we'd get lucky or something we'd shit get the curse <laughs> yeah okay, what did what did you think of the edler goal so fuck man what is with the calgary flames and teams or players breaking their slumps against us it's unfucking Believable. He hasn't Brilliant. scored in 400 years. He's been sitting at 99 goals for 88 games. More than a full season. Oh, yeah. He's going to score tonight. Gets his 100 goal against us. Breaks that 88 game slump. No big deal. 88 games. Is it because Dennis Wideman tried to murder a linesman? Is that why? I mean, there's got to be some sort of karma from aspect from then because it really has been a lot of downhill since then and maybe that's why we get officiated every day yeah the um the third the fourth line got pretty much caved in against the kings though hey well that's the thing they're getting caved in they get caved in a lot that that fourth line and that's what it's like it's again it's hard to argue like i was kind of saying with lewis is like his on ice impacts are like all right um, there. If if it's the Lewis Richardson Lucic trio, they tend to get caved in a lot. So again, you can't really argue because Lu, uh, Lucic is scoring all the fucking time. But I mean, they're not really doing much on the ice. So 
Well, it's know. better. It's better that your fourth line's getting caved in than your first line, the way. Yeah, like I mean, they have the worst. That trio has the worst expected goals for percentage at sporting a thirty-seven percent at five on five this year. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, I I think Daryl. They've had a few good shifts where they're in the offensive zone, like grinding teams down and being physical and stuff. But I'm not sure where that's gonna go. I'm going to keep an eye on how that develops. Eh? It's going to be curious how these lines continue to evolve. I don't think Daryl has any – I don't think he's splitting up Monaghan and Coleman anytime soon, dude. I think he's going to roll with that for a bit. Yeah, I hope so because uh, that's Sean Monaghan. is the Sean Monaghan you need. And the Blake Coleman you need. Yeah, totally. Offensively speaking. Well, dude, those guys finally score last night and you win. Like – Makes all the difference in the world. So against the LA Matthew Kachuk, you have him as the top performer. Oh, dude, he was chances. fucking great. Eleven scoring chances. Like fuck, was he good in that game? Eleven scoring chances. His expected goals for was seventy two point five zero. Yeah, and his he's just, Corsi, a, he's just Corsi, a monster. His Corsi fours are rounded up with sixty nine. All well. Making Drew Doughty's bitch. So and scoring the game winning goal, a six night. Fuck that feud is hilarious, isn't it? He's got to be so aggravating to play against. Hey, can you imagine? He's such Zegers, a little uh, shit. Zegers went after him. Hey, yeah, what the fuck? That was cheap shot. Was weird, eh? Just like cross checks <laughs> him right in the ribs. And then, of course, uh, we don't get a power play. Um, yeah, like, I don't understand how that was offsetting. Like, ridiculous. 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 <gasps> but great, great, uh, again, to do that in regulation, that was uh, what impressed me the most, was stealing two points from the Kings. There is one more clip I want to play against, uh, or this is pregame before L.A., have a listen to this one. Four really proven guys, and then three really pr- proven new guys coming in. So, and they're, they're young players. Like, for example, Ifo and Kempe are really good players. So they're they're in that age group of of uh, like Manjapani and and our and our defensemen. So that's the test for. As I said, that is the challenge for your for your team when you play division games. Is how do you match up as an individual against certain players? I mean, how cool is that? This guy has layers. He's got layers to his coaching. He's got layers within layers to his coaching. He's he's extracting his team. Look, here's the matchup for tonight. It's a divisional matchup. That means it's that much more important. Here's the key players you got to hone in on. Here's our players who need to match the level of these players. Monji Pondi, you got to match Alfa. And that's going to be part of your assignment tonight. Again, could you imagine fucking Jeff Ward, Glenn Galton even conceiving of this concept? Well, what did he, he said like about goals, right? It's like it doesn't matter if you accomplish your goal, so that you have it is important. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, what's the uh hey, what are we playing in per- in practice tonight? Hey, Let's just have fun, bitches. Who's, who's picking the playlist? That was like the big media. Thing, eh? It was like, okay, who's oh, who's got the playlist? Who's picking the playlist today, boys? 
That was like the big thing, eh? The big re- thing to report on. Who had playlist selection? What was Ras? Remember, like, yeah, seriously, was, yeah. if you're on social media, you remember seeing this. That's all that it was. There was a tweet with what the playlist was. The five songs. Not like, even joking. Not even joking. Like, I'm... <laughs> This was the Mickey Mouse clown Mickey show. Mouse shit. It's like I've got an article here from like November 29th of 2019, and it's just like, oh, something new. A playlist of tunes greeted the players' arrival for work. Uh, Rasmus chose the songs, says Coach Jeff Ford. We felt that it was a way to loosen up a bit at the end of the day. <laughs> the play, the players just had a meeting with Tree, and we don't want that hanging over practice. Oh, oh. Yeah, we would, we would we want to forget about that right away, eh? Yeah. It's just a gimmick to lighten up the move, get the guys moving in their minds on practice. I mean, wouldn't it be a, a that big of a deal if he didn't proceed to do it for another two or three weeks following? It's funny. I mean, like they there's a clip on Sportsnet the other day. I said it to you. Milan Lucic, they're asking him. This is like probably a week or two back. And they're saying, like, what one of the biggest differences this season is the starts you guys get out to. What's been the difference? And Lucic says, well, I mean, it's, I think I got to give the credit to Daryl. He has us prepared for every game, for the start of every game. Everybody knows what their assignments are. Yada, yada. Right. That must have been what I was listening to earlier. Cause I think he says something about like, we're prepared to win. Big difference. <laughs> hey, we're prepared to play. No, you're remember, remember to what, win. Remember when, seriously, for about three weeks there, when this team absolutely stunk and all Jeff Ward could manage to capitulate was that we just need to play with more emotion. That would it's do just it. Just emotional engagement. It's got to hate to lose more. Have you heard that once this year? You've heard it once since Daryl's been here? There's nothing to do with emotion. <laughs> It has so little to do with emotion that it's like, why would you like, oh God. Yeah. You got to keep your emotion level at a 12 for an 82 game season. This is, this season is like the exhale after a big inhale. It's like we had to inhale all that bullshit last year, every fucking night hearing that shit. No, you know what the, you know what it is. It's an exhale, or a leaving exhale. It's when you're in an elevator Somebody fucking lays a fucking bomb. <laughs> and you have to hold your breath. You don't want to smell it. You're holding and holding and holding it. You're watching the floor numbers go down to three, two. The door is open. And you just, you're, you're pulling a George stand. You're just pushing everybody out of the way. Oh, that's what that is. Eh? <laughs> very well. Very well put. Fucking uh, Jeff Ward is leaving air biscuits in the dressing room, man. <laughs> Pittsburgh, give us the give us the game report for Pittsburgh. Oh shit, I forgot about the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, I got him. Yeah, you got. All right, so the Flames fucking dominated the Penguins. Oh shoot, them thirty-two to twenty-two. But we didn't have a power play. Of course, zero. Not. There was one power play in the game, and the Penguins got it and they scored on it. Ridiculous shot attempt sixty-two to thirty. Scoring chances thirty-two to twelve. The Flames had more scoring chances at five on five, 10 more scoring chances at five on five than the Penguins had shots in the game. 
High danger chances, 11 to 4. Expected goals, 4 percentage, rounded down 75% to 25% for the Flames. I think, look, we've played some good goalies. I think that was the best goaltender performance we've seen from an opposing team. There's been some good ones, but I think Kristen, Tristan Jerry, that was the best we've seen all season. He was legit. I mean, the other good one was Nashville, Soros, but I think Tristan Jerry played even better. Yeah, he was awesome. Top game scores. 30, all of, 30, 32 scoring chances. 32. At five on five because we didn't have a fucking power play. Top performers for the night by game score are Shillington, Tanev, Hannafin, Rast Daddy, and Milan Lucic. But I picked Lindholm as my top performer because he had nine shot attempts, seven scoring chances, and 76 rounded down, 76%. Five on five expected goals for percentage. 76, man. Like, hey, 65. 65 is like domination. 75. Come on. It's not even fair. It's like fucking Connor McDavid level. That's how you play defense, man. Remember when they were like, oh, defense. It's all about defense. You know, Daryl's like, no, it's not about fucking defense. That's not how you play defense. You play defense by having the puck and checking the puck when you don't have it. Fucking idiots. Fucking numb nutses. <laughs> what really impressed me there is the rebound after a tough loss. Yeah. And then I, I, I'm surprised that we dominated them so bad because it was the other way around in Pittsburgh. We got dominated five on five, but snuck out a win. They almost did the same thing to us. Yeah. They almost goalied us, but Backlund finally scores in the shootout for the first time in his life. Backlund. Okay. Yo, Backlund hit the net. I was impressed with him even hitting the net in that shootout. I was impressed with him coming down, not falling on his face. <laughs> okay, so let's let's go through this. Lucic scores another five. Um, and then you get into the shootout. Seven rounds. Okay, the first thing was Monahan goes first. Yeah. And at that point, this is the thing, eh? When these when these coaches pick their players, and I guess it would have been different if Monahan scored, but he didn't. But everyone's kind of like Monahan. The guy's cold as ice. And I think it was, um, yeah, it was Bobby McGolf. I forget he changed his, uh, his Twitter handle for the, for the in-season. It's a hockey game now. But he says, you got to go with the hot hand. Like, that's what you do in a shootout. You go with the hot hand. And the reverse is true. Don't put in the cold hands. It's not, this isn't about a feel-good story. This is about Monaghan has looked like ass up until this point. Now, if yes, last night went to a shootout, which did. That's when you put Monaghan. We didn't see him, but we didn't need him. But anyways, is that how you felt with, with Monaghan being the first pick in the shootout? Because You that knew was he wasn't. At- you knew he wasn't scoring. <laughs> no, that was a terrible attempt at a goal, too. Like, does he not have a shot at all anymore? He's coming back, baby. Hey, what he's he's he, he would do this. What is he down to? Three games now. My little leash that I've been giving him is dwindling down to three games, and he's maybe starting to show some life. He might just turn it around. So Kachuk goes down second. That was another terrible, terrible. What are you doing? Kachuk is very hit or miss on shootouts. True. It's either like he scores an unbelievable goal. Or it's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, it's like nowhere in between. Yeah. 
Johnny comes down. Fuck. <laughs> God, he's good, man. Is this um dude? He's playing the best. I, I don't even think it's a debate anymore. He's playing the best hockey he's ever played in his life. Yeah. And it's not that he's playing better than he's ever played. He's played this well, maybe what three or four times in the past where he's won those player of the month. He's just played unbelievable. He's playing that that good. Mm-hmm. Monji Pony, fourth. Lindholm, fifth. All terrible attempts, I gotta say. I was surprised we didn't see Dubé because yeah, he's a he's a shootout guy. He's a shootout guy. Shillington, another terrible attempt. Terrible. When Shillington comes down I'm like, okay, I know he's playing good, but he's he hasn't been scoring enough goals. He doesn't have that yeah. much confidence to score. Totally. Then Backlight comes down, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm turning the TV off. <laughs> you were alive. Here's how it went for us. You were a bit ahead of a, a bit ahead of me, and you're like, what did you say? You're like, fuck, I knew he wouldn't even hit the net. Yeah, I tricked you. And preemptively, I'm like, I knew that fucker wouldn't hit the net. What a piece of shit. And then he <laughs> snipes it. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. And now, does that mean Backlund's going to start rolling? This is how Backlund operates, eh? He's terrible or he's awesome. Not even terrible, but you know what I mean. What's your favorite goal out of the three? Or sorry, uh, uh, favorite game out of the three? I like that game last night. Yeah, I think me. I think that's me too. I mean, it was the best game in terms of two opponents going at it and um, come out with a win. Like that was a real good fucking. That's yeah. a good feel good win, man. We scored some beautiful goals last some night. Some incredible goals, like you said. I like like watching Anaheim was fun. That was a fun game, and just the manner in which they won, and that that's a game that I wouldn't have even minded losing in in overtime or a shootout. So. That's a good game. And the fact that you won it is just like cherry on top. Sweet little cherry. Okay, so let's uh, last last conversation to have here. Actually, before we do, what do you think of the full pension line? Did you hear about that? <laughs> Who said that? Because holy shit, is that the exact way to put it? Richardson. <laughs> He's like, yeah, my buddies are calling us the full pension line. <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant but they got broken up so well again like we said i don't like they get creamed every night it seems so if lucic stops score i i don't know we'll we'll see because i like lucic and backland yes lucic manjapani and backland no as your second line i don't know if lucic keeps scoring like this though like i don't know Okay, last last uh, little conversation I want to have because we talked about this. Where do you go from here? I'm not worried, but there is one thing. And this is just kind of like, again, from past trauma. It's like Calgary Flames organization has that. If, if something can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. At this point, with the way we're playing, with the way we're rolling, if it continues, do you even want to participate in the Olympics? Do you want NHL's, NHL players to participate in the Olympics? You're going to have your top line, Lindholm, Johnny. They're going to have tons of guys going. Chucky, Markstrom, does Anderson go? Does Backlund go? Does Coleman go? That's going to be, could be a lot of players. Manjipani go? That's right. Now, all, I'm not, all of your I'm, best players will be going. 
I'm not concerned about the team stinking after the break. I'm not. If, if it was any other coach, I would. But there's no there's no distraction let up from Daryl Sutter. My only concern would be, okay, if we have that amount of players going, is there a risk of injury? Is there a risk of fatigue? Could that be something that is a detriment to this team? Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. And I'm not a big Olympics guy anyways. Um, I think it's a totally valid concern because Kachuk, like all those guys are going to be playing pretty big roles on their respective teams. Like maybe probably not Manjapani. Like if he makes the team, he's probably an extra or whatever, even though he should make the team out of merit, but whatever. Like Johnny and Kachuk are locks. Lindholm's a lock. Markstrom's a lock. You think Markstrom's not going to be playing all those games over there? Like, come exactly. on. So I think it's totally a valid concern. Is Markstrom the number one Swedish goalie? Oh, totally. Who He's else? the guy, eh? Yeah. I guess Lundqvist is gone. I don't, know, I don't even like, I, I get the, I've never been like, why don't the NHL, I get that. Like it fucks up the whole season. The NHL gets no revenue from it. All the risk is on the players. I get the players like it, but it's stupid to just to interrupt your season like that. Well, you say you're not a big Olympics guy. I don't, I, I am on the other fence. I, I like the world cup, like do a world cup of hockey. That's what I've, I don't get that. Like, you can still have the international aspect and have the world. Like what's the biggest sporting event in the world? It's the world cup in soccer. Do it for hockey. You don't need it in the Olympics. Give me a break. I've soured a bit on the Olympics. I have to say. Well, and the thing is, is if you got Connor McNeckbeard as your captain, yeah, fuck, I'm not cheering for Can- every, like I'm fully on board with this. I'm not cheering for Canada. <laughs> you've, made, you've made your stake. Eh? <laughs> I have put my, I've put my position in the ground. I'm not cheering for Canada. Maybe if Mangiapane is on the team, I'm not cheering against Gaudreau and, Lin, or, and Lindholm and Markstrom and Rass and all these guys. Fuck that. I'm not cheering against them for Connor McDavid. Give me a break. Yeah, the like only you, like no. You'd rather see Connor McDavid lose at yes. the expense of your country not winning a gold, right? I exactly. I feel like I'm in the same boat, but I think I know myself too well. As once the Olympics starts, I'm cheering Canada. No, screw that. It's like it, mentally, I want to tell myself it's just kind of like you know when you do a New Year's resolution, you're gonna work out. You heard Jim Gaffigan's bit. <laughs> I'm gonna work out every day. Day two rolls around, well, not every day. Day three, eh, I'm fine with the way I look. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not cheering for Canada. Game one, oh fuck, Canada's man, want to watch this. Game two, I'm all in, baby. Like unless Mangiapane's on the team, because like I don't even like half those guys on that team. Like I like Braden Point. He's a Calgary boy. But, nah, screw all them. Don't like them. And you know what? The only reason I ever really liked watching Team Canada when I was a kid is because of Jerome McGinley. And, yeah, eh, meh, I, meh, meh. No, I'm cheering for the, the USA and Sweden. I'm a Flames fan, and that's all that I am. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I want to tell myself that I won't, but I probably will. And if the Olympics Great. weren't such a corrupt thing, I probably would like because i think my mind changed on this in the world cup when they had team north america because i was like when that when that happened initially i was like that's so dumb who wants to watch and then you watch like that young team and like mcdavid was on that team too but you watch them play like gadro and mckinnon and all those young guys it was fucking unbelievable and i was like who cares what country they're from this team is so much fun to watch i'll cheer for them gonna be interesting do you think that uh 
Because now they're saying, well, it's not, it's not a for sure thing. What do you, do you think Batman's going to allow it to happen? What's going to happen? I mean, the players want to, Brooklyn they held out, they held out in the last one. They're probably going to, eh? they're probably are they going to use some COVID uh, protocol loophole that Batman might do it eh? and be like, oh, you know what? Just can't do it. Cause it's probably going to, she's probably going to say no and then blame it on COVID would be my guess. I imagine they, they will go, but I, like the, the thing is like, I get, not that I'm in favor of Batman. He's a dipshit. Cause like the Olympics are great for the growth of the sport, but I get it. It's like the NHL can't use any footage. They can't make, they can't even put on their website, the NHL website. There's an Olympic hockey game featuring the NHL players. Like it's so fucked up, but I get, I get why the, the, the owners and shit would want their players to go. So. Okay, so you got two games left on the road trip. Vegas coming up on Sunday. Whew. Tough road, eh? Then you got San Jose. They're playing well. This is the best San Jose's been in a couple of years. Yeah, and I'm not super surprised that San Jose is not terrible. Because they still have some good players. They do. Some players that we'd like to almost get on our Yeah, team. we could almost get Thomas Hurdle. Almost get uh, Timo Meyer. I guess he's probably locked up, eh? We can almost get... We'll probably end up almost getting Kane too, because you know Brad is in on everything. Vegas is an interesting one. Did you see Jack Eichel? Is yeah, in that ready? jersey, he's ready in three weeks. Three fucking weeks, he's gonna be skating. Oh, God. I'm glad I picked him up on the IR in both my pools at the start of the season. But um, I don't know where you at with Vegas currently. We play them Sunday. This is the least terrified I've been in a long time about Vegas, but they're starting to turn their ship around. They just pumped uh, Arizona, Arizona last night, which I don't know if that's a big accomplishment, but yeah, I don't know. I, we always seem to have a tough time with Vegas. It'll be interesting to see a Daryl Sutter team yeah. operating at full capacity, how exactly. they do in Vegas. Yeah, it'll be a good it'll, litmus. It'll be a good litmus for sure. I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt because you've been playing a fuck ton of hockey. You're still on the road. I don't think they're going to be distracted, though. Daryl Sutter probably won't allow that. Eh? Well, yeah, the next two weeks, the first three weeks of December are nuts. They're playing like almost every other night. Daryl Sutter is probably going to make them all sleep in one fucking giant ballroom where he just stays up all night. eh? (laughs) They have like their little cots on the floor and shit. But, like, uh, seriously, like, how good have they been on the road? The best road team in the league, and that's always been a Sutter thing. Like I said, like, I remember back in those – it might have been in 2004, but that's what they did at home games. They stayed in hotels. Yeah. Fucking got these guys dialed in. Yeah, these – I don't know. This could be the two base games of the season coming up here. Vegas, Sunday, followed by San Jose on Tuesday before – then you go home for a seven-game homestand, the last of which is Edmonton. Crazy schedule, but um, hey, like they've been so they've been so good. Well, don't they play the Blackhawks and Predators in there? It's a weird schedule because you're home for Carolina, oh, yeah. Boston. You're right. Sorry, and you go you're, out. You're home for two on the road weird. for two, then five at home after that. Which again, all these teams outside of Chicago are going to be tough. Carolina, Boston, Toronto, Nashville. Oof. Fuck. Even Anaheim, Seattle, like you got Geo's coming up. Geo, yeah, it's great to be back. I'm there. (laughs) Fuck, let's go get Geo. We should trade for him. I think. All right, give us the final thought. Take it away. 
I don't know. Like, it's just like nice to, we keep saying this. It's just nice to watch good hockey and not to be stressed out of your mind all the time. You know, don't you agree? <laughs> like, yeah, like here's, not... here's our, yeah, like, it's funny. I was listening to the last one. It's like, this is how good things have been going. We're fucking complaining about the in game Saddle Dome host. That's our biggest complaint. Right. I mean, hey, since we started this podcast, this team has been pretty bad. <laughs> so it's been interesting, right? But now we get to enjoy some of the other side. We get to enjoy some winning together, folks. Fucking A. Keep it going. Hey, you made it. It's the end of the podcast. If you liked this episode, please do us a favor. Take a sec and leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast help us grow the audience and introduce some more unfortunate flames fans to the show so do it do it super easy just takes a second just tap on the show scroll down leave a rating thanks so much for listening everybody we will see you on the next one